Good morning, show sports and five nine fan Ben Ennis, Brian Gunning. Working on his next thousand points is John Tavares. After a couple of points yesterday, goal and assist in a Toronto Maple Leafs overtime loss on Long Island to the Islanders. So the Islanders fans. I was going to say they got the best of both worlds, but I'm sure they would have preferred to, no. to like win 8 nothing and John Tavares uh, play no part in yeah, any the, leaf scoring. Uh, yeah, there are people in that building that were like, where's Corey Perry? What's mm. he doing? I mean, I know uh, persona non grata, but, I, you know, Montreal series, that's what they were thinking. They're like, that would have been best case scenario. There are people in that building thinking that. They are still wishing all of the ill on him. And, hey, it's sports hate. You shouldn't think that, but you know people were. They booed him. Start to finish. Every time he stepped on the ice, and especially after his assist helped tie the game at the end of regulation, and especially when the Leafs bench emptied onto mm-hmm. the ice, and then when they did the thing that I wasn't 100% sure they were going to do, they did flash on the big screen. Yeah. Congratulations, John Tavares, on your 1,000 points, and then the Islanders players, which I like the Islanders players, got no ill will towards no. John Tavares. They're like, get yours, man. Yeah. Go do your of thing. Of course. They gave him a nice little ovation. Mm-hmm. Um, were you at all surprised that the Islanders as an organization, no. understanding God, that there no. is there is no, there is, there's not a dissenting opinion amongst Islanders no. fans that, that John Tavares is a villainous figure mm-hmm. now. Pajama boy. But are you at all surprised? And listen, the, the the video board is operated by the team who's appealing to the fans. Are you yeah. at all surprised that they put the, the, the thing on the board? You know who's in charge there, right? Lou Lamorello? Yeah. Um, he is a hockeyman's hockeyman. Mm-hmm. There's no chance they were going to buck tradition and not congratulate. Again, like, forget what those people think about it. And I know it's a wild thing to say, but it's like, actually, it doesn't matter that it's John Tavares. It's like, they were going to put it up for a thousand points. It's what you do. It would happen in every other building or rink in the in the league. And of all people, of all people, mm. Lou Lamorello was not going to be cupping an ear to the fans God. to go full Hulkster. Like, hey, if this is, if this is the Canes, and Tom Dundon is the owner in charge there, and he's going, yeah, you know what? We're a bunch of jerks. Why don't we put the middle finger emoji up on the board instead of congrats, John Tavares? Yeah. Could it, like, Would I have maybe seen that? Okay, sure. But the Islanders <laughs> with Lou Lamorello. And all those shaved faces. And all those, yeah, including Robert Bertuzzo. <laughs> I got to say, like, you can't do this if you're Robert Bertuzzo because you're Robert Bertuzzo, right. but, like, what is the quality of player because I would well, so Scott, well, very much Scott Stevens. Like again. no, I know, but like if if they wanted to just go and listen, hockey's still in this place yes. mentally where this is not going to happen. Mm-hmm. But we're getting closer to a like, hey, you can almost have an independent opinion, yeah. right? Like on a hockey team, you can almost like say things that are like self promotional right. and and like you can almost have like you can have the semblance of a yeah. personality on a hockey team yeah like how good a player would you have to be and how confident in yourself would you have to be to be on one of those islanders teams and maybe acquired by the mm-hmm. islanders and said yeah i know you got your rule but like i don't know find me like uh, trade me away like i i'm i'm a person that has a beard like, I'm not overdoing it, yep. and, like, I, I wish you didn't have the rule, and I'm not going to speak about right. it. Like, I'm going to do a silent protest yep. of growing a beard. Like, what quality of player would you have to be? There's no there's no player. Well, what would happen? Like, say, okay. Connor uh, McDavid. is it like Connor well, McDavid is an Islander. Well, that's the thing. It's like, how does this happen? It's like, we literally, we literally have this here. Like, Austin Matthews, who 
scored four right. goals in his first. No, like sure. honestly, it's like first overall pick. He scored four goals in his okay, first so NHL say, game. Say he had done it. Yeah. I, what happens? Well, I, I, I think Brendan Shanahan holds him down in a barber's chair and is like, get the shears, no, baby. But like quite literally, he doesn't. Like, I think it just takes one player to be like, hey, guys, like, I, and, and okay, again. Okay, so, like, why is it, why, like, this is lose rule and it's new in the island. They had it in Jersey. They yes. had it here. Yes. Cameron Maben said the exact same I thing. I know. Like, why well, hasn't is, the Yankee? I, I, man, if, if, if you think Aaron the hockey, judge you decides well, that's the thing. tomorrow, hey, like, I don't like this rule, I'm going to grow a beard. Yeah. What's going to happen? Would they Guess not what's going to happen. Aaron Judge is going to have a beard. Well, I was going to say, would they not become to a subset of people like the most popular person Buddy, in that sport? Buddy, this is what I'm saying. Like, you could be, you could, you could really add to your legacy if you're Aaron Judge and you decide tomorrow you're going to start growing a beard. Well, well I Juan actually Soto think... is like, I, I know you've never seen me as a, a bearded guy, but I'm going to choose this bizarre moment to, to, to grow one, in fact. I actually think that that is part of why Lou traded for Robert Bertuzzo. He's like, a seventh-round pick, yeah. it's not to get this depth defenseman it is to lay the hammer down on my beard rule just to show another guy coming in here and eating the comeuppance and sitting their butt in the chair and getting shaved. Yeah. You're it, right. Like, what would happen? Who knows? But, I mean, no one's ever I'm tried a for a reason. Athlete, like it, I, here's I, the other thing I'll say, and it's like I'm not a pro athlete, I know. Have you? I have had the opportunity, not like one-on-one or anything, but I remember when Riley – yeah, it was Riley and Kadri. They signed not quite matching deals, but they both got extended right around the same time. And they had an availability in the Leafs room in the summer. Fans sent me down there to cover it. And part of it is like, hey, Lou Lamorello is going to do a scrum. That's the most intimidating. Like, I'm not I'm not joking here. Part of this is like, oh, I was younger in the industry. Intimid-. Lou Lamorello is exactly as intimidating as you would expect him to be. And there is a like... There's an aura about him. I don't know how to explain yeah, it. It's great. He's a Hall of Famer. And yeah, he's, yeah, you know... That's 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 all well and good. If if I'm a, an athlete to the like again, we're talking about and it's never going to happen, especially in that sport because yeah. it is like the fall in line sport. I don't know if it's ever going to happen in. Well, in, that's the thing. Like baseball is, it's both, right? Like baseball mm-hmm. is the most. There are guys who are just like I don't have an opinion on anything. I fall in line, and then you have your Fernando Tatis Juniors and your Acunas and whatever. Like it's the it's both. Why hasn't it happened in that sport uh, my, either? It's just my chaos brain was thinking about it. You know, what if? Somebody at a, like an undeniable skill level, because it would have to be mm-hmm. somebody that you're not just saying, "All right, goodbye." We're just yeah. trading you for whatever. Right. You, you're upsetting the apple cart here. It was like, "Hey, let's not to make a big deal of it." And I'm not being a bad teammate, but I disagree I'd with like this rule. It's not. It's not a league rule. It's a team rule, and I, I, I ain't down with this. I just wonder how that would, how that would uh, go over. Um, I digress. All right. <laughs> Uh, our next guest never had to deal with that because it was a Blue Jay and he got to wear his mustache. Uh, you know what? Yankees can wear mustaches as well. This Insider is brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online. And in the showroom, visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. It is the 2023 Jack Graney Award-winning uh, Sportsnet baseball analyst, Buck Martinez. How's it going, Buck? Good morning, fellas. How you doing? Doing, doing very well. Uh, it's been an interesting couple of days for Blue Jays fans. Buck, how, how have you consumed the Shohei Otani story? <laughs> well, just like everybody else, because I listen to all of the different rumors and speculation and reports, and uh, it's unfortunate that it got out of control. And, uh, you know, there is a lot of doubts now that Otani overlooked California. 
sounds like he stayed in California and was negotiating uh, remotely. And, uh, you know, uh, it, somebody somebody got involved in the negotiation, there's no question, to get the price up to $700 million. And, uh, you know, the Blue Jays might have been involved in that for sure. Yeah, they, they certainly were. You know, Buck, I'm sure you saw the some of the commentary of, one, it being better for the game of baseball that he's a Dodger and not a Blue Jay, and also, you know, some of the commentary of, of Toronto not being viewed, and, you know, I know you know this is ridiculous, is not a big-time city or seen as an other than because of the place it's in. You know, what, what did you make of some of the commentary? I, I really thought we were past this, given the Ryu signing and the Springer signing and the Gosman signing, but are, are you surprised that we saw some of that? pop up again, Buck? Yeah, I sure am. Uh, it, it's silly. Uh, for people to think that Toronto's not a baseball town, it's ridiculous. You go back to the World Series years in 92 and 93, it was the baseball center of the world. 15 and 16, we saw the Blue recapture some of that, and I, I thought it was really stupid for somebody to mention, well, it's good for baseball, but it's not in Toronto. I argue that it would have been better for baseball had it been in Toronto because it shows the worldwide diversity of the game. And uh, I I thought some of the people that made those comments uh, were very, very ill-informed. Yeah, why why does that happen? Considering the the legacy of winning in the early '90s, and again, the, this was a team that outspent everybody and had the highest attendance in all of baseball. That's not a million years ago, and some of the people making these comments were certainly uh, covering the sport back then. Like, why why do you, why do you think this is a, a, a return to that narrative? Especially, you know what we have the 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 recent 2015 and 2016 seasons as far as the excitement back in the city for winning uh, ball clubs. What, why do you think this is coming up again? I don't understand it. And, you know, it's almost like nobody wants to acknowledge that Toronto is a legitimate baseball city, and without question it is. And, you know, people from uh, east, west, and north, all three coasts in Canada, they love the Blue Jays, and they support the Blue Jays better than anybody else. And, uh, you know, our TV ratings reflect that. And, uh, you know, when the Yankees and the Red Sox and the Cubs and the Dodgers boast of 400000 for a game, we'll be doing uh, eight, 900000 and well over a million during the stretch. So, yeah, it makes no sense to me. And I, I think it was silly for people to say, well, thank God I didn't go to Toronto. I think mm. it would have been the opposite. I think they would have captured three nations with Japan, Canada, and the United States. But... You know, some people make comments because there's no repercussions for making bad comments or false comments. Yeah, and we are talking about people in the media. Uh, I'd be interested in, in getting your perception of, of active Major League Baseball players, Buck. Like, wh- what is the prevailing sentiment among uh, both the, the, the guys that are playing for the Blue Jays right now and some of them signing free agent deals to be a Blue Jay and, and opposition players about the, the perception of playing in Toronto and Toronto is a baseball market? Everybody loves to come to Toronto, and it's only going to get better now once the second phase of the renovations is done. But, you know, I think the best example of what baseball players think of Toronto goes back to Mark Burley. When Mark Burley was traded from Miami to Toronto, he was livid. He went kicking and screaming. And within about three months of the season, he was recruiting players to come to Toronto because he understood what a wonderful place it is to play baseball. And it always has been. Uh, The fans take great care of the players. Uh, The organization takes great care of the players. And, you know, I will argue that, uh, you know, for as long as the Blue Jays have been in existence, going back to the Labatt days and Peter Hardy and Peter Whittington and Pat Kelly and Paul Beeston, their number one concern was making the players feel comfortable playing in Toronto. 
And uh, I think it's still the case. And when you look at the amenities that they've put together for this current edition of the Blue Jays, it's remarkable and nobody can compare it. So, you know, it's, it's a silly argument. It has no merit. And as far as what the players think of Toronto, I think that uh, you can uh, ask any player. They, it's one of their favorite stops on the, on the tour, and everybody enjoys it. Uh, it's a beautiful city. The fans are supportive, and uh, I think it's only going to get better and better. Yeah, nobody needed to even ask Kevin Gosman. He just uh, took to social media yesterday to uh, to say as much himself. Uh, obviously, with the Blue Jays missing out on o- Otani, it's a gut punch for everyone involved, from the front office to you know maybe players who thought they'd be playing with him. What do you think this does to the pressure that Vlad and Bo are going to feel this year? I mean, obviously, it goes without saying. If you bring in somebody like, well, there's nobody like Otani. If you would have brought in Otani, it would have taken the pressure to a certain extent off of everybody, but it also would have ratcheted up expectations. What do you think the fact that they missed out there on that, on on Otani and also on Soto, do you think it changes the expectations or the pressure at all for Vlad and Bo this season? No, I don't think so at all. I, I, I don't know that there is any pressure in this game today. You know, players are, are well compensated. Uh, they, they get the, you know, the best treatment possible. Everything is at their fingertips. The resources they have to train, to work, to play, it's, it's never been better. So, I, you know, I don't think there's any pressure. I think the, the pressure comes from the outside when people say, well, you have to win and everything else. Everybody wants to win. Everybody's trying to win, and winning is difficult. And I think that uh, when you think about how many organizations have never won and how frequently the Blue Jays are independent race, yeah, they've got a lot of work to do. They're not near the top of baseball now. They have a wonderful pitching staff, both a rotation and a bullpen. They've got a lot of holes to fill because of uh, pending free agents departing Toronto. But uh, at the same time, you know, the players take care of your own situation. Let the front office and the manager take care of putting the team together. And if you do your job and the guy next to you does his job, everything should work out just fine. Now, there's a couple of big, splashy names still available, right? Cody Bellinger's former MVP, and, and he bounced back uh, pretty nicely last season with the Chicago Cubs. But I, I think reading the tea leaves, um, I feel like it's probably going to be a less um, – is it going to be a less exciting offseason? Well, certainly than we anticipated like less than a week ago, but – where is your opinion on, you know, this this fan base not exactly wrapping its arms around the 2023 edition of the Toronto Blue Jays? They won 89 day, uh, games. They made the playoffs. They, they, they fell in two games to the Minnesota Twins. Not exactly an exciting team, and especially considering the, the new amenities of the ballpark, needing to revitalize this fan base with a splashy ad this offseason. Do you think that plays into it? Yeah, I do think it plays into it. But you know what? I don't think you're going to recapture the anticipation that uh, the Blue Jays fan base had last Friday when everybody, you know, heard the rumors, oh, there's a plane going to Toronto. There's a lot of planes going to Toronto, and a lot of them leave Los Angeles. (laughs) But, uh, you know, I I just think that when you look at the teams that that have been in the World Series recently, they they have a lead dog. They have a guy that uh, everybody looks to to uh, kind of uh, set the personality. And I think the Blue Jays are still looking for that guy. I think they're still looking for that one guy to say, okay, we're not losing tonight, fellas. We're winning. We're beating this team. We're winning this series. We're not losing. I think, you know, when you hate to lose, that's when you become a championship team. And I think more than anything, that has to 
developed in the Blue Jay system where you hate to lose. Mm. Sometimes people get so comfortable that losing, oh, well, it's not a big deal. We'll get him tomorrow and everything is great. Look at this clubhouse. Look at the fan base. They love us. But you have to get yourself into a position where you hate to lose. And I, I don't think the Blue Jays have gotten there yet. I think they have the potential of doing that. I think there are pitchers on their pitching staff that hate to lose. I think now you need position players to get that same feeling. They have a tremendous character in their pitching staff. There's no question about it. But now you need somebody in the position player part of the club to step up and say, we are not going to lose again. We have been playing second and third fiddle to the rest of the teams in this division, and you need somebody to step up. Yeah, that sounds like Josh Donaldson, right? Like uh, the uh, 2015 edition of the Toronto Blue Jays, the Get, Get It, it Done League. League. Yeah, of course, right? We all remember that. I mean, there, there's no obvious fix right now. I mean, Juan Soto might have been that guy. Uh, he's off the board. I don't know if necessarily Cody Bellinger is that guy, vocally at least. Like, do you see somebody who's an obvious um, a, a case study in what you're exactly talking about, Buck? Yeah, you know, there are very, very few guys that are in stand-up leaders that, you know, like Bryce Harper, and, and Bryce Harper does it more by the way he plays than by just being vocal. Uh, you know, Derek Jeter did it the same way. I had Hal McCray and George Brett. Those guys did it with the, their actions and the way they played. You can't pick and choose the days you play. Great players play every single day. Great players play hard every single day. Great players never take an at-bat off. They never take a play off. They run with conviction every time they leave the batter's box. And, uh, you know, I think the Blue Jays have some players that uh, are capable of doing that. They just need to make up their mind that it's not bad to speak up. It's not bad to call out your teammates. And it's not bad to be a vocal leader and a leader by your actions on the field. So I, I think they have some of those guys there. I just have to realize that I'm going to have to be the guy that's going to step up. You know, players have more clout in their clubhouse than managers or general managers or front office personnel. Players are the ones that motivate the team more often than not. And when you look at the great teams, there's always one or two players that push the team. You know, in, in St. Louis for years, it was Yachty Molina. And, you know, these great guys that come out and play hard every single day and are not in afraid to call out their teammates when they don't run the first base, when they don't make a play, when they throw to the wrong base. Hey, think about it. Get prepared. Think about what the next play is going to be and think about it before the play actually happens because then you will make the right play. But uh, like I said, you know, uh, a lot of people are comfortable. A lot of people don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. But mm. I, I think when the Blue Jays get to a point where they have a player or players, multiple people can do it, step up and say, fellas, we are not representing our team, our city, our country as we should every single day. And once you get to that point, that's when you can be a champion again. Yeah. Uh, maybe they can stop making uh, among the most outs on the base pass in uh, 2024. That, that, that'd be nice. Uh, Buck, congrats again. I'm talking about you, you can't do that continually. <laughs> you can't make those mistakes. And when you see those mistakes in the playoffs, it's like, what are we doing here? We're not well prepared. We're not thinking about it. And you can't put the blame on the coaches. The coaches... They harp on this every single day. It's the players who have to understand the situation. What run do I represent? Where are we in the lineup? Who's at the plate? Who's on deck? All of these things have to be thought of before you make a decision to be aggressive on the bases. Yeah, uh, and there is a particular instance that I am thinking about, and as I imagine you are as well, Buck, in the, in the postseason, that, that is going to 
It's going to sit with me. Uh, it already has all offseason. It's going to sit with me until the, the Blue Jays are next in the postseason. Uh, Buck, congrats again on the 2023 Jack Rainey Award. Uh, thanks for doing this. My pleasure. You guys have a great day. You too. There's Buck Martinez. He was our insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. getting picked off second base. Oh, I got that's obviously it is it is hilarious that we're talking about this again. Like, yes, this is the number one narrative coming out of the twenty twenty two season. Hey, they're gonna be super serious, right? Like, yeah, the, yeah. No, no, definitely. Get out of here, Teoscar yeah, Hernandez. No, get no out more of here. fruit cocktails at Fenway, Lourdes. Guriel Jr. and in comes Captain Serious Dalton Varsho. He he's pretty serious. Oh, he, yeah. he did a lot of chugging down first base line. Boy, did he hard. And getting thrown out. Walking back. Yeah. Five feet. Um, Yeah. So it can't be all of it. But I I think the problem you might have Mm -hmm. is that it can't be an ancillary character who's doing this. It has to be a major contributor, like a guy winning an MVP award in 2015 in Josh Donaldson. Well, and to the, we've done it so many times of the Leafs Jays parallels, right? Is there a little something to the, ah, we're going to take a serious winner, George Springer. We're going to bring in Kevin Gosman and we're going to graph this on to these guys. And I don't know. don't know that it's quite taken a hold the way you'd want. And it's like, again, like it's not always apples to apples, but if you squint, there is so much similar between the paths. Dude, uh, I mean, and especially listening to Buck Martinez talk, it's like there's no pressure anymore in pro sports when the the, the athletes get paid the amount that they get paid. And sure, they'd like to make more, but they're already set for many lifetimes, especially when you're talking about the core of this group being Uh, guys that are uh, of major league baseball lineage. Mm Mm-hmm. There's a comfort factor here that is also very similar to the Toronto Maple Leafs. That they're that, okay, they'd like to win. Yeah. That, that that'd be fine. But it's not the end of the world if they lose. It does, in fact, feel a little bit that way with this group. And Buck Martinez would know better than any of us. Yeah. Because not only is he with the team every day as one of the broadcasters yep. on Sportsnet. This is a guy's a former player. Like he he understands the clubhouse dynamics here, right? Like, and again, like you can overcome that if you could just got nine sluggers yep. that hit forty five home runs. This team obviously doesn't have that. They're missing something. Yeah, and I think I think a lot of people squint and they try to see that in Bo, right? They look at him and say, He's the guy who is serious. He's the guy who, you know, seems as though it's more life and death than maybe some others on this ball club, but you know, also from a performance standpoint, if you're going to be that guy, you can't be it for two thirds of a season. Like he's been for the better, like you, you go look at it and we've had the, we've had the tale of two seasons where you go, ah, you look at it and the numbers at the end of the year are good, but you just have those doldrum times and you can't. And if you're going to be that guy, you're going to be that heartbeat guy. It's got to be every day. And I'm not putting that all on Bichette. Uh, if Vlad wants to, he could also take up that mantle, but I don't know. I'm not exactly hold my breath on that one. They need a Tommy DeVito type. Okay. Is what they need. Hey, they, did the they, finger thing, just they, so you know. They, not the taxes, the Italian no, finger the thing. Other, the Italian other finger thing. All right, uh, where's the legend of Tommy DeVito? We'll and ask, his agent. We'll ask Peter King of uh, Football Morning in America next. The Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sports 590, The Fan. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Mary Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, The Fan, Ben Ennis, Brain Gunning. So in sports, you can become a folk hero a couple of different ways. In sport, yeah. One way is by just performing, right? Winners win. 
Flags fly forever. <laughs> Another is, you know, being a relevant person out of impossible circumstances. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and the other is you just got an interesting personality. And we, we may have hit the triumvirate <laughs> in, in the Meadowlands yesterday. It's Tommy DeVito, y yet another victory as uh, <laughs> the Giants have erased the, uh, the memories of being the, the saddest sack franchise <laughs> in, in all of the NFL earlier this season. They've won three straight. They're five and eight. Let's talk to uh, Peter King of Football Morning in America. How's it going, Peter? Everything's good. You know, guys, I was thinking about this last night, watching Tommy DeVito struggle, come back, struggle, throw balls five feet over his guys' heads, and then lead the last drive. Not a long drive, but lead the last drive to uh, to win the game against a playoff contender, a true playoff contender. Uh, if you would have asked me before last night, I would have said I think the Packers are going to be the six or seven in the NFC. They were playing better and all that, and Packers play like crap in part because the Giants have a good defense, and Tommy DeVito made enough plays. And I thought before last night, Tommy DeVito was like a cool story in a lost season. You know, a kid 11 miles from the Meadowlands who grew up, I grew up in the, ne not grew up, I raised, we, my wife and I raised our kids in the next town over from Cedar Grove. It was our arch rival in girls softball. My daughter played huge games <laughs> against Cedar Grove High School. So I know all about that area. I know the Italian stuff. I know the Tommy Cutlets. It's the huge Italian area in North Jersey. And so it was a great, great story. And in the midst of a lost season uh, for the Giants, and they're, they're alive now, barely, but they're alive. It was it was really really cool to see, and I think, you know, kudos to the Giants for doing what a bunch of numbskulls like me said. Are you crazy? Giving the ball to Tommy DeVito three four weeks ago, uh, it's paid off for him. Yeah, it has. I mean, it also like even if you're not a Giants fan, it's just paid off for all of us. I mean, you got the agent like kissing the dad last night. It's it's incredible. Like yeah. again, again, if it's gonna be a, if it's gonna be a bit of a lost season, you might as well have something something like this. And you know, it it, it does kind of to a certain extent, Peter, go to what we talked about uh, with the Jets last week of the idea of hey, just because yeah. the guy isn't there, it doesn't mean you can't find find an answer. I, I got to ask you about the other Monday nighter. And by the way, uh, normally I don't complain Crazy about too much game. football. Well, why? Why did we get a second uh, Monday nighter? Do we have an answer for that? I always wonder. Well, it does yeah, because because the NFL, the NFL, the NFL is experimenting right now with how to maximize another primetime night. So everybody says, "Why did ESPN it, you, this year so far? ESPN and ABC have been simulcasting the game in the United States, obviously." Uh, on uh, on Monday nights, and what happened last night is that they experimented. You know, early in the year, they played games an hour apart. They staggered the starts so that for four hours and 15 minutes in a row, theoretically, you'll get another four hours and 15 minutes of football that they can sell ads for. Okay, but they they decided this last night for a very simple reason. They want to find out, will people either A, you know, will they pick a game to watch and just watch it? B, will they watch the Manning cast and, and flip back and forth between the two games 
chaperoned by Eli and Peyton Manning, or, you know, will they flip back and forth and, you know, watch a little of each or, 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 or whatever. And so this is part of an NFL experiment to see how many eyes they can get on all these games. And look, I think I wrote about this in my column this week. I know this is not exactly on this topic, but the NFL is going to have a huge vote this week that nobody is talking enough about. And that is it's a vote to expand the number of international games. The NFL plays each year from the five that is currently to nine. And and it's a, the reason why it's huge is that potentially, potentially, it could create a new window, 9.30 Sunday morning, 9.45 Sunday morning, a new window for games that the NFL could sell for millions to either a streaming or a network partner. So, you know, the NFL is always trying to maximize what it does, both in TV and streaming, and I think last night was just, dipping the toe into the water to see what exactly happens when we put two games on on the same time on networks that are cousins, ESPN and ABC, and they'll be very anxious to see what the ratings are. Yeah, no, that that's interesting. Thank you. Uh, th- thanks for explaining that. And yeah, as you mentioned, the the idea of a permanent another window that is the sound of families wincing and accountants applauding right there at the same time. I don't know what sound <laughs> yes, a wince makes, but that's exactly uh, what it is. I do want to talk to you about that game last night. I mean, you know, it's back yeah. and forth. It's crazy. You have the muff pun at the end, and you figure, okay, that's that's got to be it, right? Surely the Dolphins aren't gonna, you know, have this game frittered away after that, but they. Find a way. Uh, it continues to be an example of who's good in the AFC this year. You know, I've wondered if the Dolphins were going to be that team that just had enough firepower and didn't uh, show show it in spades last night. You know, I know they nearly put up thirty points, but what did you what did you make of that game from a Dolphins uh, perspective last night, Peter? I think it uh, buttressed Tyreek Hill's case for the MVP because you saw how much their offense struggled when he wasn't in the game, when he tweaked his ankle very early in the game, and he missed, I think he missed five series total. And they really struggled to move the ball. That became, as crazy as this sounds, that became this high-powered offense, the highest-scoring offense in the NFL still, even though they've struggled a bit recently, the highest-scoring offense in football. Uh, The most important player on their team last night as it turned as it turned out, was Raheem Mostert, a running back who's been a free agent about 18 times, who anybody in the league could have had him. But I think what it says to me is that if the Miami Dolphins have to play significant time without Tyree Hill, uh, they're not going to go to the Super Bowl. They, they're, they're not going to keep winning. And keep this in mind. Keep in mind that the one thing Miami hasn't done yet this year is be a good team. It's December 12th. Yeah. <laughs> they're a second, I think they're the second seed right now in the playoffs in the AFC, mm-hmm. uh, which is a very vaunted, great, advantageous position. You would think uh, mid-December uh, that you would have had one or two wins. If you're going to be a two seed, you would have had one or two big wins. They haven't. You know, So Miami has a lot to prove, and if they have to do it without Tyreek Hill, they're in trouble. 
Well, I, I guess, you know, it, it kind of colors uh, the conversation about the Kansas City Chiefs because, yeah, they, they lost in, in Europe to the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, who have the Chiefs beaten yeah. that's any good either? Unless, like, you consider Jacksonville week two a, a significant victory. They split their two games mm-hmm. against Denver. That they, they lost to the Eagles. They lost to the Packers. They just lost to the Bills. Uh, they're only a game now yeah. up on those Broncos in the AFC West, and now you've got the quarterback freaking out over what was a clearly the correct decision. I guess you can talk about the process there, and then he's doing the recanting of of, of how angry he appeared at the conclusion of that, that Bills game over the weekend. Like, how concerned should you be if you're a Chiefs fan right now? Very concerned. Um, I happen to think that what we saw on Sunday evening in Kansas City with Mahomes, who now has apologize for, I mean, he bit Josh Allen's head off what Josh Allen didn't do anything <laughs> um, after the game, you know, F in the officials, F in this, F in that. Uh, and very, unca- I, I said to, um, I talked to their, their PR guy, Ted Cruz, and I said, I've just never seen Mahomes ever, you know, in whatever, however many years he's been in the league, six, six seven years, I've never seen him blow up like that. And I think it's more than that one call. I think it is the fact that life is not going well for Kansas City and it always has gone well. This has been a golden franchise since the moment that Patrick Mahomes has taken over. Patrick Mahomes has played in 14 postseason games. Right, 11 of them are home games and three of them are Super Bowls. That is a charmed life in football and right now it's starting to look now look they're helped by the fact that every team in the AFC has some significant weaknesses so uh, I don't think it's impossible that they could win home field but winning home field at let's say 11 and 6 would be really weird and it would mean that the Baltimore Ravens would have to go in a, in a pretty big slide. And and look, I watched every snap of the Ravens-Rams. The Ravens are vulnerable. And that's why I don't think anything is impossible. I think the AFC is going to be totally fascinating down the stretch. I think the Bills are going to make it. I think the Bills – I picked the Bills for the Super Bowl at the start of the year midseason – I would have said, please commit me to the nearest institution. Um, but now I'm really thinking that the Bills not only are going to make it somehow, some way, but they're going to be a problem for every team they play, even whether it's one or four in the postseason. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, they, they have kind of felt as the season's kind of built along once they kind of re, regroup there, like the team that should they get in, they're, they're terrifying simply because of the quarterback. And I mean, you saw it there, and it's not just yeah. the quarterback, but we all know that's that's what that's what's going to uh, butter your bread in this league. Uh, speaking of quarterbacks, I don't know how much people would have expected the two shortlist finalists or, or the guys with the shortest odds right now for the MVP to be Dak Prescott and Brock Purdy. But here we are yeah. uh, for a lot of people late in the season. I know one of those guys doesn't surprise you, Peter. Uh, what, do you what do you make of the fact that uh, I, I think for a lot of people, if you're looking at MVP front runners, those are the two guys right now. Probably so. 
Um, and it, I mean, it changes every week. It's, it's mostly a fruitless discussion because we could have the discussion next Tuesday and you could say, well, it looks like Tyreek Hill and, uh, you know, Lamar Jackson are the front runners for MVP. And it's, it's a, what have you done for me lately discussion point? But the one reason why I think, and I talked to Dak Prescott after their game on Sunday And one of the things that I think is really, really interesting about him is that here's a guy in mid-career. I mean, think about it. This guy, this is his uh, eighth year as a starting quarterback for the Cowboys. And he had some material changes to his game at the start of this year with footwork, with, with, um, you know, with with Mike McCarthy. He went to school in the offseason. Um, on the mechanics of the position, he's better. He also throw, is throwing the deep ball with much more confidence than he did a year ago. I think that helps. And in San Francisco, look, everybody talks about Brock Purdy's weapons, but this guy is a great football player. I know everybody wants to say, well, anybody could do with that, but I think that's nonsense. You've got to complete deep throws and put the throws in the in the spot that your guys can run after the catch. Brock Purdy's doing that now. He deserves all the praise he gets. So the New York Jets uh, find themselves, I, I don't even know if you, you, you call them an in-the-hunt team right now. They're third from the bottom in the AFC, but they're only 5-8, yeah. and eight, right? So, so they are alive. And Aaron Rodgers was on Pat McAfee's show talking about Christmas Eve. I mean, if if they win this weekend against a Dolphins team that's already beaten them once, and I get it, it's in Miami, but yeah, I, I don't think the Dolphins should look at any game as like an obvious W in in the in their uh, column. If the Jets win in Miami this weekend, do you think we see Aaron Rodgers on Christmas Eve? I don't know the answer to that, and I know this story pretty well. I'm talking to a lot of people inside this story, uh, not Aaron Rodgers, but. Uh, I'm talking to a lot of people in the story, and um, i just tell you two things that I believe strongly. Number one, if his surgeon, Neil Elitrosh, examines him and says, I don't want you to play, Aaron Rodgers is not playing. Neil Elitrosh right now is what I would, what I would say is the leading orthopedic surgeon um, in professional sports, he has a gigantic reputation to uphold. And I can tell you this, if he gives Rogers the okay play, he thinks that Rogers is okay and not in extreme danger of ripping that Achilles. So if Rogers goes out in the first quarter, tears his Achilles again, Neil Elitrash's reputation is going to be sullied to a huge degree. So don't discount that. Whenever you think about, well, Rogers being careless, being this, he's got, he has some guardrails on him. The Jets team physicians who aren't as important as Elitrash, but he also has them. And uh, he's also got Robert Sala. Now, I think if they beat the Dolphins this week, uh, which I doubt, but if they beat the Dolphins this week, I think Aaron Rodgers is going to play this season. 
because they will be mathematically in it. They'll be six, six and eight, right? If they win this game, that's right. Whatever they are, what? It, yeah. So if they're six and eight, um, I even if they get a ninth loss, the AFC is weird. They have seven, seven or six, seven win teams right now. So they are they they will they'll be in it if they win a sixth game, they're in it. And so I think you will see Aaron Rodgers, you know, this season, assuming, assuming that Neil Elitrash gives him the okay. Yeah, that's uh, that is that's fascinating. Yeah, I think th- I think it's important you bring that up though, because I do think a lot of people are thinking, ah, Rogers, he'll just throw caution to the wind. And yeah, there's a lot more people uh, than than just Rogers at, at play here. Uh, the team I've got to ask you about is the Eagles. Back to back weeks uh, getting punched in the mouth. Uh, wasn't quite the display that Sam Fram put on, but it wasn't far off by by the Cowboys. They've got a massive game against the Seahawks here, and then they've got the weird end to the se- the season of Giants cards Giants. What do you think that does in terms of that in terms of this game coming up here? Because you know, not to say they can't take anything away from those other games, but in terms of a real tough test, the the Seahawks are kind of the last one they've got left here, and boy, they're a very different team than they felt like uh, three or four weeks ago, at least to me. I'm not sure I would say the Seahawks are their biggest test. I think, okay. I think sweeping, I think sweeping the giants mm. is their biggest test because I mean, I just want you to, you know, I'm going to record my podcast in about 10 minutes. And the first Ooh, thing I'm going to talk about is well, I'm, the first thing I'm going to talk about is the craziest thing about the national football league 14 games into the season or 13 games, whatever it is, the craziest thing is that the road to the one seed in the NFC goes through Tommy DeVito. Yeah. (laughs) Because think about it. If the Eagles sweep down the stretch, they're the one seed in the NFC, Mm -hmm. even as, as tough as they've played and 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 how about this number? How about this number, which is absolutely nuts, that the Eagles in the last three games have allowed 36 points a game on defense. This is a defense that week two or three of this season, I would have said this 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 defense, I like it better than any in football because they got the most depth, and they've 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 allowed in the 30 possessions. Their foes have had in the last week, 30 possessions, 13 touchdowns, six field goals, 19 scoring drives. So two out of every three times their opponent gets the ball, they're giving up points. It's it, that is, that's not only non unsustainable, that is a loss in your first playoff game. So I, I mean, the Eagles are in trouble and look, there's going to be a lot of pressure this week on totally fit this week for the Eagles in Seattle. I know you don't want to go too crazy about it. Mm-hmm. And everybody in Philadelphia is saying, Hey, relax, relax. We're going to be fine. But this is a playoff game for Philadelphia. The NFL got very lucky in flexing this game to Monday night, because this is a gigantic game in the NFC playoff race Monday night in Seattle. No, they, they absolutely need to show something defensively to, to, to rekindle that uh, faith that so many people had in them uh, in the NFC earlier this season. Peter, uh, always a pleasure. Thanks for doing this. Hey, thanks a lot, fellas. Take care. You too. There's Peter King, Football Morning in America, the 
NFL season is now like forever long. Like it just feels like there's really so many does. ebbs and flows that there are so many narratives that feel like a hundred years ago. Like the the Eagles look like the unbeatable juggernaut. No, oh my, they lost to the Jets. How did that happen? That's yeah. impossible. Mm-hmm. That feels like anybody could could rack up 40 points on this Eagles team. Yeah, they, I mean, just listen to the idiot who was on with you a couple weeks ago talking about how good they were and how they're the, I mm, can't confirm, might have been me. Might, might have been. I don't know, how good are the Chiefs? Exactly. We'll just both keep taking L's on the NFL all all. Season. I got more faith in the Chiefs, honestly, than the Eagles right now. And part of that is the conference. Yeah. I mean, and not that, having to go through the Niners. And to your point, that has kind of been your argument. Yes, uh, the whole has. The whole point along. It well, sure, certainly has. While we're talking about the Chiefs here, we just, we, Peter mentioned it there. We talked about it a ton yesterday. I want to bring it back up. Is Patrick Mahomes and his uh, walking it back. I don't know that we need to play the clip here, but. I'm not remotely surprised. It felt like, you know, felt like yesterday or Sunday was a bit of a sea change moment for Mahomes. Not sea change, but it felt like a little bit of the worm turning. People going, ooh, I don't like that from you, Patrick Mahomes. So I'm not remotely surprised he got in front of a mic ASAP and, and walked that back. Yeah, there's two things that we've never seen out of this Chiefs teams and Patrick Mahomes. One is him freak out in the manner in which he was freaking out. So was he mad at the ref? The for sure not the ref. It was for sure Kadarius Tony, right? I think he was mad at the refs, and he's never gonna he's never gonna show up a teammate on the field. Yeah, Tom I Brady truly, would like Tom yeah. Tom Brady screaming Buddy. at his wide receivers the entire time of his run in New England. Big difference between the two. No, I, oh, I really winners I, win. No, I no. I truly believe that yeah, Patrick Mahomes doesn't have that in his makeup to publicly yeah. uh, dress down a teammate. Well, he probably felt like it. Right. Yeah, like I I don't think understanding the attention yeah, that yeah, he yeah. gets. All the time. And I don't think Tom Brady cared. He didn't. And in fact, he I think he it. probably, yeah, yeah he liked like, being I expect the hard ex- ass. I expect excellence. No, he was yelling at the referees. So, yeah. and so we hadn't seen that display from him before. And we also haven't seen like the just general overall media narrative being negative towards Patrick Mahomes, mm-hmm. like for anything. No. Not, not like for, not for play and for no. obvious reasons. It right. hasn't it been, amazing. and even this season, it hasn't been for play. It's been his receivers play. And certainly not for anything off the field. This is the first time anyone's had any little morsel to grab onto to criticize yeah. Patrick Mahomes. So that's going to be jarring to this guy who's been the golden child since he arrived in Kansas City and made AFC Championship games each and every year of his entire career. Yeah. So, yeah, naturally he was going to try and, and defuse that situation because he didn't like it. I wouldn't like it either. I feel like he did, though, also. Like, I feel like everyone's like, okay, that's your one. You got your warning. Don't do it again, Patrick. Here's my my guess is that he's probably not going to do it again. I don't think so. All right. Uh, this has been the Fan Morning Show. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sports 5 Fan. Good, Good morning. morning.